Can I ask you to stop for just a minute? Walk back in your mind to a song that we were singing, Oh, How He Loves Me. You know, sometimes I find myself singing through songs Sunday to Sunday. I've grown up in the church and sung literally thousands of songs. Oh, how he loves me, that's the line. Man, stop for a minute and just... Have you ever felt that moment when you finally believed that someone really loved you? That they were in your heart and in your mind and they desired to be with you just to be with you. That's what we sung. And so I want to tell you that, that that's a lot of what revival is about. You know, I, I've been praying all week. I've been talking to the guys and asking them to pray for me because revival is urgent. Revival, um, you, you get after it when you're going for revival. It's something that you do almost with a certain desperation and it can come across as, as legalistic, judgmental, self-righteous when a preacher begins to preach revival. In fact, a lot of the guys who've preached it in history uh, man, they were, they were hated in their time, in their moment. They were mocked. One of them even had a dead cats thrown at him and rotten eggs and worse. Some have been stoned because revival is urgent and revival requires something of me. I can't just sit back and relax and wait for revival to come. I have to get after it. And so let me tell you what we've been doing this week. Everybody that I've been with, we've been, we've been watching and we've been praying And we've been worshiping and we have been repenting. We've been looking for revival. And I just want to ask you to walk into that with me. This is, don't let this just be another message. Don't let this be um, maybe some wise sayings that you can apply to your life. Step into the revival pursuit with us. Let it get into you. One of the things I've been doing for the past few weeks is going every morning and watching the sunrise. Let me tell you why I've done that. First of all, it's beautiful. It's, it's the loving God painting a new picture for us every morning. And I want to say thank you to you kids. I had asked you last week to send me drawings of sunrises and sunsets. And I got some of those beautiful drawings. I hope you saw them. We posted them on social media. I think we had them at the, in, the, in the pre-service loop. If we missed one of yours, please, parents, let me know. We want to post it. But I want to thank you for doing that. And let me tell you why I have been going to watch the sunrise besides the peace that it brings me to really feel in the presence and the awe of my creator It's to watch that thing come up every morning at the same time in beauty. And to know that God is in his rhythm, God is on his throne, and the great artist is creating his next painting for us. And so this last Tuesday, something new entered the picture. People entered the picture again people standing and fishing, people in a kayak, people walking down the beach, people came back into the picture and it seems like just the right moment for us as we dive into the middle of this revival series, the beginning, the beginning of our pursuit of revival that we're gonna go after until we see it, that people have begun to enter back into the picture and we've begun to interact with them and I wanna encourage you to take this time to deal with God. Just you and him, not them, not they, not what other people should do, not the nation, you and me. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called according to my name will pray and will humble themselves and will seek my face and will turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sins 
and I will heal their land. We're not messing around. This is a big deal. So walk with us through it. The first week that we entered into this conversation about revival, Tom defined it for you. He said, revival is a special season of divine visitation in which God, the Holy Spirit, awakens a slumbering church. And then last week, Tom talked about the fact that the prize of revival, the goal of revival, is not the trappings of revival. It's not the fruit of revival. It's not the promised land. It's the presence of God in the promised land. The promised land wasn't just made for us anyway. The promised land was given to us so that God could pour it through us to the world that it might be blessed. And if we don't do that, guess what? It stagnates and we fall asleep in the shade of its glory. And we need revival again. And here we are, God's people, in need of revival. Moses knew what to do. Moses stood on the edge of that promised land. And Moses cried out to God, not for the promised land. He said he would not go there without the presence. Well, let's put both of those things together, what revival is and what the prize of revival is. Let's put them together. Revival is this. Revival is the divine Holy Spirit-empowered, awe-inspiring, unity-building, generosity-inducing revelation, revelation of God that you belong to him and that he loves you, that he is in love with you, that like none other, you are on his heart and on his mind all the time. And the rest is the fruit of revival. When you embrace that, when you awaken to the idea that there is a God and you belong to him and he loves you once and for all, then the fruit begins to pour out of you, pour out of you and the fruit is what revival looks like. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. What does revival look like? Well, I want you to start for a moment with the Great Commission. This is uh, when Jesus had, re- he had been resurrected from the dead to pay for the sins of those who would trust in him. And he was getting ready to ascend up to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father where he belonged. But before he left, he gave what came to be known as the Great Commission. He told his disciples, 120, that would wait in this upper room. He said, he gave them two promises. The first one was power. He said, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the second promise was the same one he gave to Moses. He promised him presence. In Matthew 28, he said, I will be with you until the end of the age. He promised them power and he promised them them presence. And then they waited. And among these 120 people waiting in this upper room, maybe hiding a little bit, these people were at threat for their lives just not very many days before and perhaps they still were. Amidst these people were prostitutes and tax collectors and and loud-mouthed, arrogant, impulsive, ignorant fishermen waiting in this upper room, watching, waiting, praying expectantly for the promise of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then it says, after two months of waiting and praying, he came. And he didn't come with a whisper. He came in power. He came in revival. He came, it says, like a roaring wind and like tongues of fire. And he settled down on them and he indwelled them. And his presence was among them. And do you know what happened next? 
when he entered into them in power, when the presence of God was with them in that way, this group of, in some sense, misfits and outcasts walked out into the throngs of the city of Jerusalem, hundreds of thousands of people there for a religious festival. And people from all different nations and all different creeds and and races bustling around the city. And this group began to walk out and they began to preach to these people to the extent that it created a bit of a scene and a crowd gathered. And the crowd was confused because something else miraculous happened. Everybody heard them in their own language. He's speaking Greek. No, no, he's not. He's speaking Hebrew. No, that's, that's Latin. No, it's Aramaic. And then some town clown did what town clowns do and he shouted out, hey, they're all drunk. And then, of all people, Peter speaks up. The ignorant, loud-mouthed, impulsive fisherman. Peter speaks up. And in a moment with whimsy and humor, I imagine, he dispatches the town clown and he says, ah, we're not drunk, it's only nine in the morning. And he repurposes that loud mouth. And in that moment, he preaches one of the most epic sermons in one of the most epic moments in human history and 3,000 people come to Christ that day. What happened? God moved. God woke up sleepy religious people and his Holy Spirit moved through them and in spite of them And 3,000 people called on the name of Jesus that day. And then they began to bear the fruit. You begin to see what revival looks like. We see it in Acts chapter 2. I love it. The staff will tell you that I love it maybe too much. It's kind of like the old band Hootie and the Blowfish, you know, too much of a good thing. They played them over and over. Well, I do that with Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, because uh, it is such a stunning Stunning description of the fruit of revival. It's the way the church works when the church is working right. It's the way Christians live when they are living awake, when they've embraced the fact that they belong to God and that he loves them. These things pour out of them, not out of duty, not because they're climbing some holy ladder, but because it's what naturally revived, spiritually revived people do. And so it says this. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Stop there for a moment. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They were hungry for the word of God. They were hungry for the teaching of the apostles. They were hungry for the formal gathering. This was a liturgy of the gathering of the church that they were talking about. They craved it. They weren't cajoled into it. They weren't tricked into it. They weren't manipulated or marketed into it. They weren't guilted into it. They wanted it. They craved it. They went and found it. They were in revival. They'd been awakened. They were hungry. And here's what happened when they got hungry like that. Well, it says this. It says, and awe 
came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Wonder, astonishment, admiration, reverence. You know what we call that? Worship. Worship is what revival looks like. And it pours out of you. You can't contain it. It's bigger than you are. It calls out to you. It pours through you to the God who made you. Jesus said that even the rocks will cry out in praise to me. A revived person bears the fruit of worship. Then it says this. It says all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now listen, there were 3,000 of these people. They were not lock arm all together all the time, but they were together. And now during this quarantine business, you know what that means. It means they were together when they were not together. And in some ways, they were more together than they had ever been. They were of one mind and one spirit. They lived, moved, and breathed as one body. They loved being together. They went to bed and they woke up thinking about each other and what they'd talk about, what they'd share next. We call that community. What does revival look like? It looks like worship. It looks like community. Awe-inspiring worship. Vital, rich, vibrant community. And then it says this was happening. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Stop right there for a minute. Did you hear what I just said? Right, so today, uh, they just kind of reopened Goodwill, so we've been collecting things throughout the quarantine, putting them in boxes. We had three huge boxes of stuff that we had just gathered up from our house uh, to put in these boxes so that when Goodwill opened, we could take these things. That's not what these people were doing. These people were first attending to the fact that people around them, this one body group of believers with whom they were together, there were people among them that didn't have the things they needed to live and survive and to thrive. And so they assessed the need first and then they looked around and they said, we don't have anything in the box. I could sell that. I could sell that and I could meet their need. That's different. That's different. It goes on to say this in Acts chapter 4. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common and there was not a needy person among them. You know, we call that a real, we call that renewal. We call that God making old things new, God making broken things beautiful. God making things just, God taking dead souls and bringing them to life through the gospel shared in word and deed. That is what revival looks like. It looks like renewal. It looks like awe-inspiring worship. It looks like vital, thriving, one-body community. And it looks like life-changing, life-giving renewal. That's what revival looks like. And finally, it says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
They worshiped. They communed and fellowshiped together. They participated in radical generosity and it was contagious. It was liberating and life-giving and it drew people to them like people in a dark, cold night to a warm fire. That's what the awakening of revival does. What does revival look like? It looks like a sanctified frenzy of worship and community and renewal. And it begins in the individual heart. When the spirit lights that flame, when he comes not with a whisper, but as a rushing wind and fire, you move. And when you move, the world moves. That's the power of an infinite spirit working even through one unlikely person, like a Peter or a prostitute or a tax gatherer or you or me or anyone who had no business changing the world. That's how God does it. So my question is this, it's pretty simple. This is where I'm gonna put that revivalist thing on while there's an empty room with no cats to throw. Does that look like you? Does that look like us? Will we enter into this house again different than we left it? Will we enter here in revival? So here's some diagnostic questions for you and for me. No awe, no awe of God ever. No, I wouldn't believe it if I didn't see it myself, awe of God ever, you're asleep. No awe in worship, no passion, never a tear shed for the love of God poured out on you. Never a tear of conviction over your sin, you're asleep. No thirst for the word. Do you have to be cajoled and manipulated and guilted into getting into God's word? You're asleep. No hunger for justice and righteousness. Asleep. No radical, sacrificial generosity. You're asleep. No urgency to save people who are far from God, you are asleep. Revival is a supernatural thing. God moves in miraculous and undeniable ways. He changes the hearts and minds and lives of people in miraculous and undeniable circumstances. He wakes up his church And through those awakened Christians, he brings dead people to life. That's the game. That's what it's all about. And if we're not about that, then just enjoy your Sunday morning. Take an extra day off. But it's time that we do business with God. I believe that's part of what he's done across the globe He's given Christians an opportunity to stop and do business with him personally. That's what I'm trying to do. So what does revival look like? I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you a story about Sam Casson Smith's brother who gave us permission to do this. 
This is a new story. It's brand new. It's probably a week old. And I'm just going to read you what Sam sent us. Sam's brother, and by the way, Sam and his brother both testified that if you knew his brother, you'd, you'd know this is a miracle. He said he was just laying in bed thinking about some of the chronic struggles that he had had with health and money and everything else when he was overwhelmed with peace. He knew it was of God. He felt taken over. Now he can't get enough scripture. He can't get enough sermons or studies or prayer or phone calls to his pastor. He was laying in bed giggling the other night that he was going to heaven. He said, Sam, I don't recognize myself, so I'm not sure I was ever a Christian. And you know what he's been doing? He's been calling people he's wronged and apologizing to them for his past actions and inviting them to dinner. And they've been calling his wife and expressing gratitude. It felt like a taste of revival, didn't it? Now, you know what I know? I know that people have been praying expectantly for that brother for a long time and God brought fire into his life. So, this is a pretty personal thing. It's pretty new. We asked for his permission to do it. And I want to tell you what his response was. Absolutely, light the forest fire. That's revival. That is available to you. And I want to show you a picture of a man in revival. This is his baptism photo and his son was baptized with him introducing a new generation to the covenant promises of God. That's what happens in revival. That was our prayer for him and that is my prayer for you and for me. Lord God, we want that. We want you. We want to remember first and see with eyes wide open. We want that divine revelation that you are there, that we belong to you and that you love us. Oh, how you love us. We seek revival, Lord. We praise you for making a way. And his name is Jesus. And in his name we pray and we worship. Amen.